Hello and welcome back to the lecture series with Reb T, which we try to do in a bi-weekly basis. Tonight's lecture is called The Upturn of Being Stubborn, Sources from Safaria, Unless Noted Otherwise. Look out for the points to carry over, the PTCs, bolded, underlined, italicized, usually all shiurim are on sheerenjoyment.com slash shiurim slash shiurim dash reb dash t. Shout out to Jake W. for all of his wonderful, amazing hard work, especially on sheer enjoyment. The lecture series, this show, as well as the PAL, the Pirkei Avo show, the Audio DT, Audio Dvartora show, and the OT talk show are on many different podcast forums. You can find them, iTunes, Google, and the like. Of course, also on shareenjoyment.com, including the Daily Dose of Share, the DDD show. You could email me at rebt at sheerenjoyment.com. Tonight's sheer is sponsored for the Rafua Shalema of Ze'ev Ben Lea, Dr. Zelenko. This sheer should also serve as a zechus for the Rafua Shalema of Yehuda Ben Rivka Lea, Rabbi Kalamar, the rabbi of our community, for Yisrael Yitzchak Ben Rivka Lea, for Shlomo Ben Saradina, for the continued health and nachat of Livia Margalit Bat Ilana Devora to her family, and for anyone sick or needing a Yeshua or Rafua in any way, shape, or manner. Everyone in the entire class, so all of us should only know from wonderful things and from good things. What is one trait about us that people can say that may be seen as positive or negative? Has anyone ever been called stubborn, stuck, or set in your ways? I know I myself have had ser- heard such terms many times over the years. The thing with different traits is, though, that they can all be used for good or for bad. For example, someone who is stubborn can also be called persistent, which can be a very good thing and used to accomplish wonderful things. As used in our title tonight, the dictionary defines the word upturn as to turn up or over or an improvement or a change to a higher level or value of something like a trait. The idea being to take a trait that may be seen as negative, like that of stubborn, for example, and turn it and use it toward the positive and for the good. In fact, stubbornness is a trait that could be used for really great things. Before we move forward, let's get an official definition of stubbornness quote-unquote, as well as that of persistence, quote-unquote, and perseverance, quote-unquote. The dictionary defines stubbornness, or one who is stubborn, as the state or character of being inflexible or stubborn, obstinate person, persistence, obduracy, or refractoriness, resolute adherence to your own ideas or desires. In addition, it could be seen as the quality of being determined to do what you want and refusing to do anything else, as well as refusing to change one's mind or course of action even with pressure to do so, unyielding or resolute. The dictionary defines persistence as continuance of an effect 
after the cause is removed, persistent, and the act of continuing an activity without interruption, as well as refusing to give up or let go, insistently repetitive or continuous, exciting, or remaining in the same state for an indefinitely long time, and existing in the same state for a long time, enduring and perseverance. Lastly, Perseverance is seen as the act or habit of persevering, persistence in anything undertaken, continued pursuit or prosecution of any business or enterprise begun, steady persistency in any state or course of action, applied alike to good and evil, applied alike to good and evil, and steady persistence in adhering to a course of action, a belief, or a person, steadfastness. Finally, perseverance can be seen as continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Think of in your own life what needs stubbornness or persistence. If there's anything you keep up or need to do consistently on a continual basis, that is something that needs the trait of persistence and stubbornness. For example, for myself, like other podcasters, we have to consistently live up to the idea of the show, whatever show we're doing, posting daily or weekly or bimonthly like this show, depending on the setup. For those who write a column or post a video or contribute to any website, magazine, or the like, the deadlines and schedules must be stubbornly adhered to. For those who do dafyomi, it needs persistence and stubbornness to keep up every single day. For nachyomi or halachayomi, mishnayomi, it needs persistence and perseverance every day. For those who do Shnai Mikra on the Parsha every week, the week then is the deadline every week. Even keeping up with our home and work schedules, working every day, as well as maintaining our homes, chores, and duties, and continuing our schedules for ourselves and our kids inside and outside our homes, needs the ability to keep up and be stubborn in staying up to task with what we need to do all the time. As we are now in the days of Hanukkah, let us talk a little bit about Hanukkah. Hanukkah, I think, is amazing. Hanukkah happens to be my favorite holiday of the entire year. I love Hanukkah. I love every element to it. I love the aspect of lighting the candles. I love the aspect of giving the presents, dancing and singing, playing games like the dreidel, and eating oily foods. All around, I think it is an awesome holiday, lasting eight amazing days and nights. And it lasts eight times as long as the non-Jewish one, which is crazy because culture, society gives so much credence, so much time and so much like front cover news to this craziness of one day and ours is eight times as long i believe hanukkah is totally underrated totally underappreciated and totally under showcased
In fact, this year in our own home, we went all out with lots of decorations and wrap presents, getting the kids into it for weeks before. And I told the kids, I told the kids, Hanukkah is my favorite holiday of the whole year. And the past few weeks, my kids, my sons, especially the older middle, said, yeah, it's my favorite holiday of the year. It's my favorite holiday of the year. If we get our kids into it, we get ourselves into it, we get our friends and family into it, maybe Hanukkah could get as much front news as Pesach and as Shavuos and Sukkot. Hanukkah's eight days, but it doesn't get the same amount. It doesn't get the same, you know, front pageness. It doesn't get the same credence as everything else. Just because it doesn't take us 16 years to get ready for Hanukkah, you know, doesn't mean that it's not as important. It's so important, so wonderful, so awesome. I feel like it's one of those that could be made even more awesome the more we think about it, the more we try to live it. If we think about the focus of the holiday, the menorah and the candles, in essence, can come to light. Pun intended. The candle and candles that we light is really a light to the darkness around us. As the phrase goes, one candle can banish the darkness. In the dark, cold, dreary days of winter, when the days are so short, the days are so dark, and all hope seems lost, the candles of Hanukkah come to be a light to us. Reminding us to be persistent, to be stubborn in the hope that we can bring light to the world. That we can have light in our own lives. Making the world better and brighter even when all around us seems so dark and so depressing. The lights shine bright, bringing us serenity and peace. When I sit and I look at the candles, I feel an aura of calm, a menuchat nefesh, a menuchat aguf of the body and the soul, similar to the idea of when I sit and I look at the Shabbos candles. So the best Shabbos of the whole year, I asked my sons this Shabbos, I said, if Hanukkah is my favorite holiday of the whole year, and Shabbos is my favorite time of the whole week, what do you think is Abba's favorite Shabbos of the entire year? And the answer they said was correctly Shabbos Hanukkah, my favorite Shabbos of the entire year. You take my favorite holiday, you take my favorite time of the week, my favorite moed of every week, Shabbos and Hanukkah, you combine it together, it's an amazing experience. You have the Shabbos candles on one side of the room, you have the Hanukkah candles on the other side of the room, enveloping us in light. Enveloping us in warmth and serenity and the idea that all can be good. Hope is there. The light of Torah can be around us. The lights can be around us. The lights should also remind us and can also remind us of the burning candle in our hearts. Kiner mitzvah v'torah or the Pasuk goes. The mitzvahs are our candles and the Torah is our light. As the Patsik says, Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam, Chavez Kol Vaten. One of my Psukim that I actually say daily, Blineder, which shows that the candle of Hashem is within us and protecting us from all around us persistently every single day. These lights on Hanukkah remind us that the world can be good when seen through the prism of Torah and mitzvahs. The lights remind us to stubbornly follow the passion to do what we love to do through the framework of the Torah to hopefully make the world a better place. The flames burning remind us that the Torah should be burning always in our hearts, always in our lives, stubbornly, every single day.
Let us also reflect on the stubborn fight for the good of the Chashma Na'im, the Maccabees, the Maccabim. Commemorated in the Al-Hanisim prayer we say in Shmona Esther and benching on Hanukkah. The translation comes from Chabad.org. We thank you, Hashem, for the miracles, the redemption, the mighty deeds, saving acts, the wonders you brought for our ancestors in those days at this time. The days of Matisyahu, the son of Yochanan, the high priest, the calling out of the Hashemraim and his sons. The wicked Hellenic government, the Syrian Greeks, rose up against the Jews, making them forget the Torah, Lo Elena, violate the decrees of your will, Lo Elena, but with your mercy, you waged their battles, you defended their rights, you avenged the wrong done to them. How often do we look at the words of Alanis and actually think about what it means? It literally gives us a, a minuscule picture of what happened at that time. You delivered the mighty into the hands of the weak, the many in the few, the impure to the pure, the wicked to the righteous, the sinners into those who occupy with Torah. You made a great and holy name for yourself and your world, effected a great deliverance, a redemption for your people Israel to this very day. Your children entered the base of Ming, just cleaned the temple, purified the temple, kindled the lights in the courtyard, of course, alluding to the other miracle of Hanukkah, of lasting eight days, the oil, and instituted these eight days to give thanks and praise to Hashem. Hashem was with us in this fight in our history the whole way through. These fighters were stubborn and perseverated to the end of the story. Hashem is also with us within our, within our own fights of our own lives every single day as well. The Gemara famously says in Shabbos 21, explaining the idea of Hanukkah. What's Hanukkah? Why are the lights kindled on Hanukkah? The sages taught in Megillus the 25th day of Kislev, the days of Hanukkah are eight. You can't eulogize them. You can't fast on them. The Greeks came into the sanctuary, really the Syrian Greeks. They defiled the oil that was there. There was no oil left. The Hashemunam came. The monarchy overcame them. They were victorious in battle. Then they searched. They wanted to rededicate the temple. They found only one tiny flask of oil that was placed with the seal of the Kohen Gadol. Because all the others were open and broken, destroyed. You needed the pure oil that was undisturbed by the Greeks. There was sufficient oil really for only one day, but the miracle happened and they lit the candles from it for eight days. So the next year, the sages instituted those days, made them holidays with halal, special thanksgiving and prayer and blessings. So we see the other great miracle that occurred on Hanukkah with the persistence of the Hashemunah looking, searching for the oil. They only found one small flask of oil that was only supposed to last a day, but ended up being enough for eight days. Rambam also points out in Mishnah Torah the idea of Hanukkah. During that second temple, they were in power, these Greeks, these terrible Greeks. They proclaimed decrees against the Jewish people. They tried taking away religion, forbidding them to study Torah, performing different mitzvot. They took their hands of wealth. They took different people. They entered the temple. They broke it, defiled things that were there. They were really oppressing ruthlessly until Hashem came, saved us from them. The Hashemunayim won victories, defeated the Syrian Greeks, saved Israel from their power. They set up a king and the kingdom was restored for a period of more than 200 years until the destruction of the second temple. On the 25th of Kislev, they came victorious over their enemies. They re-entered the temple. They found that tiny jar of oil, enough for a day, but it lasted for those eight days till they were able to make more oil to start lighting anew. Because of this, we have those eight days with 
starting with the 25th of Kislev, rejoicing, praising Hashem, lamps are lit in the evening of the doors of our homes, or wherever you light for Persumenisa, for publicizing the miracle. Each of those nights displayed the miracle, it's called Hanukkah. Chanukah, hey, they rested on the 25th, they got the oil, they rested from their enemies. Hanukkah, Chanukah, hey. It's forbidden to lament or to fast like on Purim, and it's a duty imposed on us like uh, from our sages. So Hanukkah teaches us about the idea of persistence and stubbornness, as well as a time of miracles, hidden and open miracles, which are really all miracles from Hashem. Just because you see nature and call it nature doesn't mean it's any less a miracle from Hashem than childbirth, pregnancy, or giving birth, or anything that happens in our lives. But Hashem shows us two types of miracles, open ones and hidden ones, even though everything's from Hashem. The open miracle of the victory over the Greeks, when, when we'll talk about it in a second, when a few overtook a lot, and then the, the more quote-unquote hidden miracle of the oil lasting. Because Hashem is in our lives openly and hiddenly in every single way. If we stubbornly think, we persistently think how to look for Hashem, how to find Hashem, we'll see Him in open and hidden ways. We don't have to just see the crazy miracle of Him uh, plucking someone out of, uh, out of a fire to think that Hashem is here. Hashem is here in everything and everywhere. Wherever we go, whatever we do, He's with us. We have a whole lecture about divine providence, but Hashem is always with us in hidden and open ways. But Hanukkah teaches us that it's a time of miracles and a time of persistence. The commentators also explain the Maccabees were only 300 people fighting thousands. And it has been pointed out as well, the war lasted three years, H.com points out. I forget where I learned, but the Greeks had wanted to get rid of the spirituality of the Jew, especially with banning three major mitzvahs, that of Shabbos, of Rosh Chodesh, and Bris Mila, which are three fundamental laws to Judaism. Without Rosh Chodesh, God forbid, there would be no Jewish calendar or holidays. Without Shabbat, without Shabbos, the fundamental basis of Hashem, controlling everything and resting, teaching us the idea of the weak, is doubted, God forbid. Without Bris Mila, the trait of a Jewish male, the foundation of being a Jew is gone. God forbid. The Greeks knew this and they wanted to try to forbid it. The Greeks wanted to destroy us spiritually. Those courageous few stood up physically, interesting, spiritual versus physical, to take them out. And of course, many people still did the mitzvahs in secret and rededicated the temple in a physical and spiritual way. H.com points out that while the ancient Greeks enlightened the world with art, philosophy, and science, they limited the human condition to the physical and intellectual realms. The spiritual component, indispensable to the Jewish worldview, was not part of the Greek worldview. Thus, our tradition associates the Greek with forces of darkness, while we fight with light, symbolized by the candles. The holiday of Hanukkah established to commemorate the Jewish battle against cultural assimilation has great relevance today as we again, day in and day out, year after year, have to confront a struggle for Jewish survival, especially with the culture society around us. Indeed, the emphasis on external experience is a prominent theme in modern society. Over the centuries, the message of how Hanukkah has unexpectedly ignited the Jewish park your spark really comes about. We fight using light, trying to inspire, ignite, and light those around us with meaning, purpose, spirituality, and fulfillment through Torah, mitzvot, and chesed. We do so 
stubbornly throughout the centuries, throughout the years, throughout history, throughout our lives, and currently while we are all present in this world now, throughout each of our days. Aish also points out, Aish.com with the writer Yael Zaldin. In relation to Hanukkah and its decorations, the element of the holiday like the menorah, the whole scene isn't really big. You have to look for it to know that it is there. Who will look for it? The season outside is so very big, so exaggerated and all-encompassing, especially related to the secular quote-unquote holiday. Their holiday has music and peppermints and men standing outside of stores ringing bells. They have emails and catalogs and matching striped pajamas. But what do we have? We have these small silver lights. Of course, we could have decorations. I just saw... A posting my wife shared about this amazing Hanukkah house in Texas. Everyone should look it up. It's amazing. He has thousands of decorations proclaiming the wonderfulness of Hanukkah to all around. But in general, we have these small silver lights. We wonder how our holiday has been made to seem small, insignificant, God forbid, a momentary aside in the glitzy false cheer of this secular, non-Jewish advertising extravaganza. How have we been sidelined in our own homes? However, if we think about it, isn't that in fact what the whole story is about? There were many, they were many, 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 while we were few. Their culture was appealing and inviting. It desired to swallow up the small remnant of Judaism to make them all part of a large whole, the same as everyone else. But that small band of Jews, those courageous, persistent Hashmonaim, those stubborn Maccabees refused. Faced with a life of hardship, hiding, and privation, they insisted, We don't want what you have. We would rather live in caves, in battle, on the run, than accept the sameness you offer us. We want only to be what we are, what we have always been, separate, different, other. Lahavdil, they say, if a Jew doesn't keep Shabbos, God forbid, the guy will make sure you keep Havdalah. You know what that means? Even when a person tries to assimilate, Rahman al-Latzan, even if a person tries to go into a secular culture, at the end of the day, they will realize that we're different. They will realize that we're separate. We have a higher calling, a greater power of what we need to do in this world. Chosen to choose to fix the world. We have a whole lecture about that also. Chosen from birth. They will realize that we're different. Even Yamach Shemot realized in the Holocaust, World War II, the most secular Jew, he didn't care if you were religious or you were not. He didn't care if you were Haredi or you were Chiloni. He didn't care if you were Dati or Hasidish. He doesn't care. Every Jew is a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. They understand that we're separate and different. God forbid a person doesn't want to keep Shabbos. The guy will still realize you're different, will still realize you're a Jew and still want you to be separate. We ourselves understand, we should understand, we should internalize that we're separate, we're different were other. They were proving with action their passionate belief, these Chashunayim, that God would not let them fail. With God on their side, they knew that the few could overcome the many. The weak could overcome the strong. Because of their faith, the Jewish people survived. Our culture, our pride, our stubbornness all survived. All these years later, we, their descendants, find the faith to defy our surroundings. Not for us, the glitzy cheer of Tinsel, not for us, the red man, the big red man. Our menorahs are small but beautiful. Our tiny flames light up the darkness of this long, lonely night. We think of our insistence on maintaining customs that must seem antiquated antiquated, excuse me, to other people. Our way of dress that might seem different. 
the Jewish names we give our children that we hold on to, our careful Shabbos observance, we think of our refusal to be assimilated, our insistence on maintaining the purity of our line, our pride at our differentness. Maybe our tiny lights might be a signpost to someone who has lost his way in the darkness of this exile, who needs to know where home is. The lights are like us, small but pure. You have to look for them, but you may find that they're looking for you too. I always say I love seeing different elements proudly proclaimed to those around us. On Sukkot's time, I love seeing Sukkot built around when we walk around the neighborhood. I also love seeing Hanukkah candles when they're in the homes out and about. Unfortunately, this year, with crazy different circumstances, I haven't been able to walk out and about and see it. But in general, the concept of seeing the menorah in the, in the hallway of the Jew, of the home, of the window, or the doorway is beautiful. It's wonderful to see the Hanukkiyas, to see the menorahs in the doorway, in the window, looking for it. We don't need the extravagance. It's all falseness. It's all fake glitter and cheer. These people that put up thousands of dollars of decorations, they don't even know what their holiday is about. I highly recommend the amazing sheer Blinetter, Blinetter, we try to listen to him, my wife and I, or sometimes my wife, around the Xmas time, an amazing sheer by Rabbi Lawrence Kellerman. What's what's the real story of Xmas? If you looked at the real deal behind it, it's a terrible terrible holiday. It's based on the Saturnalia, a period of like uh, a couple of days when the Romans and the pagans were free license under religious institutions to do whatever they wanted to Jewish people, to kill them, to loot them, to do despicable acts to them. And then the, the they just basically did a chillin' pot of taking everyone. They took uh, the Saint Nick from Turkey, and they took the, uh, the Asherah tree from the Asherah people, and they put it all into their holiday. That's how they have a tree. That's how they have Saint Nick. And they took the, uh, the, 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 the mistletoe from someone else, which is a poisonous plant. They just hodgepodge it into one thing. There's no real significance to what they have. Listen to that sheer by Rabbi Lawrence Kellerman. It is mind-blowing amazing. It's so worth listening to to get a real perspective of why it's such a bad holiday. There's. But our holiday doesn't need the pump, doesn't need the extravagance. It has true significance, true essence to it. We think about the fact of two main things we commemorate, the oil and the fight. And we think about the aspects that came out of it, the dreidels, when they tried to find the children and the children who were learning Torah in secret, when they came to find, they played dreidel instead. We played dreidels, Neskadal Hayasham, and in Israel, Neskadal Hayapo. The oily things signify the oil. The presence, I believe the presence, is an indication that Hashem gave us presence. Hashem gifted us throughout our years to save us, so we give to others. The best type of gifts is giving to others. Give tzedakah, give charity, give gifts to those who don't have it. They probably took all these ideas from us. They tried making their holiday better and better. The gifts to them, there's no real significance, but we could find gift significance. We could find real elements, real significance, real things to light up our lives from Hanukkah. And it doesn't need the pomp and circumstance. It could be quiet. It could be subdued. You look for those lights. The small persistent lights can light up our lives and our souls. We just have to look for them and find them. Writer Mina Gordon points out on Chabad.org an amazing story. One frosty morning in December, the children from Joshi's 10-year-old public school class were led to a bus and dropped off with their teachers in the busy downtown area of their city. The children looked in wonder at the crowds of shoppers passing by. 
The long lines of honking cars impatiently waiting for pedestrians to finish crossing and the tall buildings blocking the winter sun. After making sure that every child was accounted for, the teachers led the group down the street. Their goal was to show the children the holiday season's displays and the intricately decorated shop windows. As most of the children oohed and odd, Joshi remained silent. He stood on the periphery, somehow knowing instinctively that he would not find anything familiar in those tinsel-framed windows. The little group continued on their way, most of the children chattering excitedly. A teacher noticed that Joshi was uncharacteristically quiet and fell in step with him. Joshi, don't you like seeing the holiday decorations? Holiday? He repeated, looking confused. After a moment, he shook his head. No. Not looking like my holiday. The teacher had no answer to give and walked silently alongside Joshi, his heart going out to this little boy. The group turned a corner and found themselves at the edge of a large plaza. All eyes were drawn to the enormous fir tree decorated with hundreds of yards of shiny tinsel. All eyes, that is, except one pair. Little Joshi was looking a bit further to the right at the giant menorah. A smile lit up his face as he pointed to the familiar object and cried out, That's mine! When Joshi's father heard what happened on the excursion, he found a deep message in his son's words. He said today, There are many Jews who are religiously challenged, quote-unquote and don't know much about their heritage. But when they see the public menorah, something within lights up with Jewish pride, and they feel it knowing that's mine. It always boggles my mind. It's so interesting that of all the holidays in Hollywood and secular society, when thinking about Judaism, the only thing they pick up on is that menorah. Isn't that curious? You look at any movie, any TV show that they mention a Jewish person besides for singing Hava, Nagila, which makes no sense because I don't think that's even a religious song. It might even be like from a, another sect of, uh, of Jewish society. But the only holiday they really pick up is like Hanukkah. Why? Maybe because it's in proximity during the year to their, uh, their, their, crazy, their crazy time of year. Maybe it's connected to their quote-unquote holiday. But I think it's because the, the holiday of Hanukkah can really connect with, with so many people on so many levels. You don't have to clean the house. You don't have to stay up all night. You don't have to eat dairy. If you're lactose intolerant or a vegan or whatnot, if it doesn't suit you, it, it hurts your tummy or you don't like it. You don't have to go outside your house to a sukkah. And, you know, you don't have to dress up and give shalachmanos. It's simple. It's easy. You light candles. You can sing and dance. You give gifts. Gifts. You eat delicious oil foods, and you have a dreidel, which is such a cute game. There's so many aspects that can relate to us, but on a much deeper level, it's so easy to connect to light. It's so easy to connect to candles. Spirituality, something within us, can stir when we look at the menorah. When we see the message of the menorah, that's why it really appeals to me. Hanukkah. It's really my favorite holiday of the whole year. Besides, for all the aspects that make it an easier quote-unquote holiday to to actually hold of and to be mekayim to to fulfill. 
there's so many aspects to it that can relate to so many people. We could draw people in. And it's just a happy time of year. It combats the coldness, the darkness of the year that we're having in general. And it combats the time of year that we're having when it's really the winter time. But we think about the aspects of Hanukkah. We think about the aspects of stubbornly, persistently going about our heritage, going about our customs, going about our Torah and mitzvahs. And we could say, that's mine. This holiday is mine. We should realize the flames are ours. The Torah is ours. The ability to be persistent in our language and influence throughout the Torah is ours. The Hashemunah, these brave people, weren't officially soldiers. But they had the stubbornness, the persistence to stand up for what's right. And to stand up to the enemy. They would not allow Judaism to be trampled on. They also had the persistence to search high and low in the whole temple for the olive oil to light, only finding a tiny pitcher that would maybe last a night, but ended up lasting the eight nights. We also think about the idea how it has to be olive oil to commemorate the miracle and how we go like Beis Hillel, we go up and up, more holiness, more spirituality. Every day we light one, then two, then three, then four. Beishamah says to light eight all the way down to one. Beishillah says, no, 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 no. You go more and more spiritual in your life every day of Hanukkah and every day of your life. Trying to have more spirituality, more holiness. We light one and then we add light and the light doesn't diminish by lighting someone else. You will never be diminished by lighting up someone else, by igniting someone else, by stirring the flame of Torah in someone else, you will never diminish your light. By definition, physics detain and, and, and explain that by lighting one candle to another, the flame of that first candle will never diminish. One light can kindle how many other lights? Obviously, it'll burn out over time because there's only so much wax, but the light, the flame itself can ignite so many. I think of Yad Vashem Lahavda where one light is reflected six million times to be reflective of all the people Lola we lost. One candle, one person, one soul, one flame can light up so many around them without diminishing in and of themselves. That's the idea of Hanukkah, the lights, the candles, Shabbos candles also. The light of Torah to ignite those around you. Stubbornly, persistently keep on trying, keep different ideas, different ways. Through podcasts, through shiurim, through books, through lectures, through whichever way, through articles, whichever way you could ignite someone, you could talk to someone, keep persisting, keep being stubborn, keep trying to light up those around you. The idea of Hanukkah lights and persistence and stubbornness and Torah, mitzvahs and chesed to enhance those around you and the world around you. The tiny picture teaches us it lasted eight nights. We have to affect everyone around us for days and days, eight days and more and more and more. Eight is also Lamala Minateva. Seven days of the week, eight is Lamala Minateva. Maybe we're thinking about eight also. Eight is the day of the bris also because it's supernatural to take someone and do something physical and elevate them into the spiritual realm of becoming part of the Jewish people. Hanukkah thus teaches us not only about stubbornness and refusing to give up, but about light and the zest for Torah, to have the candle of Torah, the flames and passion to do mitzvahs in our hearts. Stubbornness can be a wonderful trait if used for good to pursue Torah and mitzvahs. If we cultivate it and use it in the right way, we can change the whole world for the better, using the Mida in the right direction. 
Let's look at a few other sources about stubbornness. Shmuel Aleph points out stubbornness could be like the sin of idolatry, God forbid, if you reject the word of Hashem. But of course, it could be used in a good way. The Jewish spiritual hearers point out that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakei, a great person in his own right, frequently debated the commandments of the Torah with non-Jews. Even though the Romans were horrible to us, it's fascinating how in history, non-Jews were so well-versed to try to trip us up. I don't know how it's possible. They were so learned in, in the Gemara and the Talmud, they would have debates with Jewish people, with, with great Jewish sages. But the scholars were deeply interested in the Torah, were anxious to discuss commandments with the Jews, and they were amazed at the stubbornness with which this small people, the Jewish people, clung to its faith. Even the Machzor in Yom Kippur points out to us, Take away the transgressions from us. Compel our evil inclination to serve you. Subdue our stubbornness, the bad stubbornness, and use it for good so we could return in truth. And that's the first point to carry over. Stubbornness is a trait that can be used for good or for bad. Make sure to use it for good. The Slichos point out in Nusach Ashkenaz Lita, We come before you with a broken spirit. Confess before you our stubbornness of heart. Again, used in the wrong way, but we should use it in the right way. Avosterin and Nelson points out there's a parable. Someone who's chopping away at a mountain. He takes his pick and he goes to the mountain. He chips away stones, small stones. People ask him, what are you doing? He says to them, I meant to uproot the mountain. Cast it into the yard and into the Jordan. They said, you can't possibly do this to uproot the whole mountain. Nevertheless, he keeps chipping away little by little until it becomes the size of a large boulder. He comes beneath it. He unloose, he, un, he makes it loose, he uproots it, and casts it into the yarding, saying, here is not your place but there. Reminds me of the idea of Rabbi Akiva, who looks at the water that changed the rock over time. Water is soft, the rock is hard, but persistent stubbornness. The water keep on hammering at the, at the rock over years, it could change the shape and the face of the rock. Here to here, this guy chips away slowly, but surely, persistently, he could change the rock. The point of the parable is that by slow degrees, perseverance and skill, one can master even what seems impossible. Persistence and stubbornness in the right ways, you can achieve great, great things. Shimona Kvatsen points out, studious people who are scrupulous about constant perseverance and Torah learning will get to have the free inner light of the Torah. Those who make sure to use an inner perseverance to influence themselves to a proper degree will have outer perseverance as well, aligning themselves and will gain in Torah learning, will gain in Torah and mitzvot and gain for themselves the light of Torah. Shalhavet Shalamuna points out, acquiring bread demands perseverance through a struggle. Working day in and day out is our ishtalus to get our bread, to get our money. It has to be persistent, stubborn. You can't just take off a half a year and expect to make money. You gotta do your work. You gotta be stubborn, persistent, and going to your job also. Akedas Yesla points out, personal effort and perseverance contribute the major part to eventual success. You want to be successful, you have to put in the work day in and day out. You have to persevere, you have to be persistent. Nobody became a doctor overnight, it takes years. Nobody became a therapist or a teacher overnight. You have to learn, you have to work, you have to be diligent in your studies. You have to work at it. The Ma'amar Mazaka Harabim also points out it's possible for one that has perfect perseverance to return the entire world to what it turned away from by using perseverance. And that brings us to another point to carry over. Quiet, dignified perseverance without fanfare acquires real success 
and real influence. The Jewish Spiritual Heroes also points out about Akavya ben Mahalel, very famous figure in Pirkei Avos. He talks about that he talks about many different things. He talks about how to avoid sin. But referencing him, the Talmud talks about how he was gifted by nature with great perseverance. He himself talks about how to persevere against sin, how to be stubborn against sin. How? Of Pirkei Avos fame in Gimel Aleph. Akavi ben Ahala says, Mark well three things, you will not come into sin. Know from where you came from, a tiny little drop. Tiny little egg from your parents. Know where you're going to a place of dust, maggot, and worms. And know where you're going to destined to be at before to give an account and a reckoning before Hashem. He gives us the formula to persevere, to be persistent and diligent against the Sahara, Against sin. By knowing where you came from, where you're going, and who you're going to have to account in front of. The Redeeming Relevance points out, Putting Torah theory into practice on a societal level requires great perseverance and patience, diligence, putting things into action, stubbornness in the right way. Between yesterday and tomorrow points out there are the lifeblood that sustains us during battle and gives us strength and perseverance until the very end is Torah and mitzvahs done in the right way, in a persistent way, in a diligent way. You can't just take off. Two months from doing the mitzvahs, it doesn't work like that. You can't take off even a week or so from learning Torah. Torah and mitzvahs need constant diligence, constant persistence, perseverance, and stubbornness to do them every single day. Akedah Siyaskov points out, man remains free to overcome natural handicaps by willpower, determination, and perseverance with Hashem extending active help and hashgacha. This will slightly paraphrase also. Avos points out in Bet Yadal, Rabbi Lezer Omer, have a shakud l'lmod Torah. Be diligent in the study of Torah. You have to be involved in Torah every single day. You have to persist in Torah every single day. Be so diligent in studying the Torah itself. And that brings another point to carry over. Persistence with the use of Torah and mitzvot is the best way to accomplish great things in this world. But the most harmful and persistent form of hatred pointed out by Tikkun Midos HaNefesh is that caused by envy. No one ever again gained by being envious. Nobody ever gained by being jealous. Jealousy is not a good thing unless it's cannot so from where you're jealous to learn more and be a better Talmud Chacham. Bimitzolo Sefer Yona points out Yochan Rabbi Yochanan deeply was attached to Reish Lakish. He had a terrible life, a lot of loss, we talked about it in another shir. The one thing he could not handle was losing his friend, losing his chavrusa. He deeply missed Reish Lakish's persistent questioning. Because when learning Torah, when being involved in Torah, you have to persistently question. You have to persistently understand and, and think about where things come and why X makes sense. And that's why halacha is so difficult for me, personally. Because it's so many nuances, so many intricacies, and so many technicalities. This could happen, and this, if X, X, Y, and then Z, and then... Very difficult, but it takes persistence and it takes diligence to try to learn a little bit. Mishlei points out, Shalom HaMelech talks about forbearance. A ruler may be won over. Gentle tongue can break bones. Sometimes diligence helps. Nachum points out, the Hashem is slow to anger of great forbearance. So too we are as well. So too we should be as well. Torah is acquired through diligence. One of the 48 ways is with forbearance, through diligence. Tikkun Midas and Nevesh also points out, a quality to have, to branch out as forbearance and forgiveness, to have the patience, to have the diligence and stubbornness to acquire different things, to be of a noble person. And also points out, man is not envied unless he has something like scholarship and forbearance and stubbornness in the right way. 
Rashi talks about in Bar Midbar, someone who exercises forbearance with different people according to his intellect, that's a good type of leader, someone who has stubbornness and diligence in the right way. Another point to carry over, perseverance is a noble trait that can accomplish great things when used in the right ways and for the right reasons. The Medrashe Pilon points out, someone who's endowed with virtue and diligence, then it can have the proper thing, sanity and great sense of strength and beauty when you have the proper diligence. The Kidmonios HaYehudim points out, the structure of the temple was done with great diligence. The people who were involved in the temple, people who built the temple, there were such ways of going about it. it had to be done in such a, a specific way. And and service in the temple had to be done in such a certain way. And coming to the temple had to be done in such a way. And our own lives, our own Mikdash Me'at in the base of Medjish and the base of also have to be done in a certain way. We have laws about everything because things have to be done in a persistent and, and cautious, diligent way. Kumar points out in Pesachim that there are different types of Learners, there are different types of people, different types of diligence. There are those who are diligent and rewarded for his diligent. There's someone who's diligent and penalized due to his diligent. And then there's someone who's lazy and rewarded and someone who's lazy and penalized. But the best is someone who's diligent and rewarded. This is someone who works the entire week and does not work on Shabbos. Because diligence has to be done in the right way. Persistence and stubbornness has to be done in the right way. You work the whole week, you could work yourself crazy to be hishtadal in Torah mitzvahs and in a livelihood, but not on Shabbos. Ain't going to work on Saturday. We're not going to work on Shabbos. The only type of work we do on Shabbos is menucha, being involved in Torah and in learning and singing and in the real way of doing menucha Shabbos. That's another point to carry over. Use diligence in intellectual manners. Don't use it or waste it on trivialities or materialism. For example, don't be an obsessive, persistent vase hoarder. Nobody needs 102 vases. Nobody needs 1,002 lawnmowers. Use diligence, persistence, stubbornness to gain the right things, spiritual things, intellectual things, Torah, mitzvahs, chesed. You can never acquire enough Torah. You can never acquire enough mitzvahs and chesed. That's all we're here in this world to do. To work on ourselves, make the world a better place, make those around us better, make ourselves better. You can only do that in this world. Acquire more Torah, more mitzvahs, more chesed. Be stubborn to acquire that. Be persistent and diligent to acquire that. Gamar points out in, in Avodah Zarah, Torah study leads to care in the performance of mitzvahs, and that leads to diligence in their observance. Diligence leads to cleanliness of the soul, which leads to abstaining from evil, which leads to purity, which leads to piety, which leads to humility, which leads to fear of sin, which leads to holiness, which leads to Hashem. And that leads to Dechia Samesim, because it all starts with, with the right aspect, Torah study, and then doing mitzvahs and being diligent in them. That's the foundation, the cornerstone of everything. The Mivchar Panina points out wisdom is based on study it's, and based on reflection, on perseverance and diligence. You have to work at things and be stubborn at it. And that's another point to carry over. Diligence is one of the foundation stepping stones to lead to holiness when used in the correct way. The Chavos Havavos points out the humble man hastens to do his religious duties with diligence and with zeal. And Chavos Halvavos also points out when a student understands well, desires to grasp its branches with diligence and interest, the Creator will help enlighten him on the subject. If you use diligence in the right way, Hashem will get you to where you need to go. 
Chavos also points out, if you exert yourself with diligence and zeal to do what is proper in Hashem's eyes, what is in your power to do, Hashem will help you to accomplish what is beyond your ability. That's the idea of The way you want to go, Hashem will help you. The aspect you want to be, Hashem will help you. And the manner you want to go, Hashem will take you. Make sure it's the right way and Hashem will lead you on the right way. It's another point to carry over. If you push yourself on the path of Torah and mitzvahs to do more persistently every single day, Hashem will help you and lead you along the way. Rabbeinu Bachaya or Rabbeinu Bachaya, depending how you pronounce it, says, The lazy man does not roast his game, but diligence is man's precious possession. Laziness is such a lack, such a waste, such a, such a, such a pity. We shouldn't be lazy. We shouldn't be couch potatoes. We shouldn't sit on our, on our bed, on our couch the whole day. Granted, after a long day, kids are in bed, you spend time with your spouse, it's good. You give yourself resting time and recuperation time, it's good. But your essence in your being is not to be lazy. Your essence in your being is to be stubborn, to be diligent in Torah, in mitzvahs, in chesed, and helping those around you. Making yourself better, making the world better. Rabbeinu Bachaya also points out one of the positive virtues is diligence and eagerness to carry out one's duties. Laziness is a negative virtue to be avoided. And procrastination, of course. By acquiring and nurturing the attribute of diligence, man can assure for himself eternal life. And who doesn't want eternal life? Use diligence to get it. The Orchos Sadikim points out when they were holding strong to the Torah, when people hold strong to the Torah, studying with great diligence, that's the way to acquire Torah. That's the way to acquire a good life for yourself, a good essence to your being. Sefer Akarim points out diligence and effort are useful in all human acts. If done in the right way, with the right manner, the right framework. He also points out, effort and diligence are desirable in all cases. Hence, Shlomo praises diligence. The hand of the diligent maketh rich. We have to use it in the right manner. Zakedas Yitzchak points out, observe the behavior of those around you. Even animals, even the tiny, tiny insect, the ant. Even though it's not subject to external pressure, it makes provisions for the oncoming winter by laying in a food supply during the summer. We could learn the value of diligence from an ant. It reminds me of the idea from Pirkei Avos, Dalit Aleph, one of my favorite Mishnahs. Ezehu Chacham, Halomed Mekol Adam. Who is wise? Someone who learns from everyone. And I would add everything, even animals and creatures. I think it's pointed out maybe by Kohalas or Shir Shim or Shlomo Melch or someone else. You can learn something from everyone. Diligence can be learned from an ant. You know, modesty can be learned from a cat. Friendliness can be learned from a dog. Everything can be learned from everything. A creature, an animal, a person. We can learn so many things from those around us. And that's another point to carry over. Learn from all people and all creatures that diligence is good in all areas when used in upright manners. And this trait can help to fight off laziness and procrastination. Kava Yashar talks about how you have to cling to the Torah, immersing yourself in the study of Torah with diligence. Set aside fixed times for study on your own and with others. And the Ha'amek She'elah points out, with diligence and Torah study, combined with love, Hashem promises that He will help them to fulfill their storehouses and accumulate knowledge. And the Penina Halacha points out, we infer from here that one's diligence in going to the synagogue daily causes long life. 
and that involved in Torah in any minute aspect you can do can also hopefully enhance your life, if not add to it. And that's a point to carry over also. Persistence can help in life, even if done in small ways daily. For example, set aside 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes, to listen to a quick Torah tidbit, to listen to a podcast, to share a video. Set 10 minutes a day to read daily Torah emails like Halacha Yomi, Mishnah Yomi, even Shnai Mikri Yomi. OU has amazing ones. I get five of them a day. One is Halacha Yomi, one is Mishnah Yomi, one is Nach Yomi, one is Shnai Mikri Yomi, and I always forget the oh, one is Mitzvah Yomi. There's like so many different things you could attach yourself, and it literally takes a minute to read those emails. Why not? Setting aside small aspects of your ways, and that's Blinad, Blinad, Haram, it's Hashem. Different ways, different things I try to do on small aspects, to analyze and uplift our days diligently, stubbornly, persistently. What we could do a little bit every day, set aside a little bit to make our days better through Torah, Mitzvahs, and Chesed. In Devarim, Hashem explains, I've seen these people and they were stubborn, a stubborn people, not done in the right way. Devarim also points out, don't make yourself stubborn anymore with the heart being blocked from doing Torah, Mitzvahs, and Chesed in the right way. Or Chotzadigim also points out if a man comes to his companion with force, then his companion will be stubborn, unyielding to him, will not listen to him. We've talked about another time, the best way to approach people is with quietness, with calmness, and with listening and responding in a soft way. Or Chotzadigim also points out a man should never be stubborn, should not make his neck stiff against those who rebuke him, or against one who tries to teach him the upright way. Willingly listen and accept their words, accept the criticism, especially if it's for Torah, and Torah matters. Sforno points out on Devarim, a stubborn people, it's impossible that a stubborn person, when not used in the right way, will be righteous and upright. One who is stubborn will follow his thoughts and ideas, even if his teachers show him that they're not good, will cause him to fail. Orachayim points out on Devarim, not to be stubborn, but to do everything to help your brother, the destitute one. The idea here being the point to carry over is to transform stubbornness into his friendly brother diligence, into his friendly brother persistence, to accomplish great things consistently and continually through Torah and mitzvos and with chesed. The Lakute Maharan points out, this is for Eliezer G., Never fall because of anything in the world, but always be stubborn in God's service and never under any circumstances backslide from his achievements. Likuti Moran also points out, a person has to be extremely stubborn in the service of God, not to desert his place. This little bit of the service he has begun, no matter what comes his way, you got to keep up. You got to upkeep it. Do a little bit every day. Be stubborn in the service of Hashem. Be stubborn in doing mitzvahs, doing chesed, learning Torah every little bit, every single day. The Jewish Spiritual Heroes points out three sorts of people Hashem loves. One who never gets angry, one who never gets drunk, and one who is not stubborn. And I would say someone who's stubborn, but in the right way, diligent in the right way. Someone who is persistent and perseverant in the right way using Torah, using mitzvahs, using chesed. Tamak Shela points out, it was because of the stubborn nature of the people of Israel that they were commanded to toil in the study of Torah day and night. We say in davening, we're supposed to toil in it every day, day and night. It's our lifeblood. It is our light. 
The best way to use stubbornness, another point to carry over, is in the learning of Torah and the doing of mitzvahs. Persistently, every single day, even with challenges or others fighting against you, trying to dissuade you. The idea of Hanukkah tying in with stubbornness and persistence. Those lights burn continually for those 30 minutes if it's a candle, for those two and a half hours or so if it's an oil light. Persistently lit and, and staying aflame. We too should stay aflame and stay lit in our learning, in our doing for others. The Hanukkah lights, the idea of Hanukkah teach us to be stubborn, to be persistent. Our, our ancestors, the Hashmanayim, stood up for what was right. They took the light of Torah and took it aflame and challenged even that which seemed insurmountable, even that which seemed much greater than them, even that which seemed much more difficult to achieve. The Greeks outnumbered them, who knows how many to them. But they went and they persevered. They went and they searched for the oil high and low throughout the entire temple, and they found that tiny flesh. But because they persevered, because they were diligent, because they were persistent, they found the flask. Hashem gave them a flask, and not only that, He gave them the flask to last for eight days, enough time for them to get more oil. The lights teach us that we do things in the background. We don't need the forefront. We don't need the show, the hevel, the materialism of the world around us. Hanukkah teaches us the light of the menorah, the light of our life should be the light of Torah, should be the light of mitzvah, should be the light of chesed, igniting those around us. We must take the flames of the Hanukkah, take the flames of the menorah, and make sure that our internal flame is lit and is a flame to light others. You will never be diminished, you will never be diminished by igniting others, inspiring others, enlightening others. You can't lose. You yourself won't be diminished by trying to help others. Hashem will take you on the path. You have an idea, you have a way to ignite and inspire others. Go about it. You yourself won't be lessened. Your life won't be less because you're trying to help people. Hashem will get you the time. He'll get you the resources. He'll get you the money to ignite and inflame others, to set others aflame. I talk about it all the time. I wouldn't have gone about the ideas if I didn't feel so strongly that Hashem put these podcasts in my mind. He also recently put an idea for me, a project to work on, and I feel like it's something Hashem gave, and and, and hopefully it'll come to fruition, but Hashem wouldn't put something in my mind so strongly if I wouldn't pursue it. I'm not going to be diminished because of something Hashem put in my mind. Hopefully it'll come to fruition. Hopefully it'll help others. Even if I feel dejected and neglected time after time reaching out or trying to latch on to others to reach more, I can't be dejected. I must be stubborn. I must be persistent in my own endeavors, in my own life, in my own things that I'm doing. For the rest of Klaus or whatever we're doing, we have to be persistent. We have to be insistent. We have to be perseverant. We have to take our lights, our Hanukkah lights, our flames within ourselves. We have to take it with us. We have to understand Ner Hashem Adam Ner Mitzvah the Torah Or. We must understand the flame within us. The lights of the Hanukkah remind us of the flames within us that are persistent that are diligent and that should stay within us, that we should ignite others because of the flames within us. We can't just let the flame within us die out, God forbid, or get smaller. There's always the pentalayid, but why should it be a pentalayid? Why should it be a spark? It should be a flame. The spark should be ignited, should be a flame. It should be latched onto and burning passionately within us 
It should be so strong that we feel the flame within us. We feel the passion within us. Not just a tiny spark that all of us have. What can we do to ignite the spark of others? To make it a real flame. The Hanukkah is not a spark. It's a flame. We got to make flames to all those around us. To make sure they're all ignited. Whatever talent you have. Whatever ability you have. You take others and try to ignite them. Try to take their spark within them. And make it into a flame. The Hanukkah lights teach us. To take the spark and make it into a flame. Whatever you do, however you can. If I do it through podcasts or my project or Lahavda, my job, you can do it whatever way you have. Whatever talent you have, whatever ability you have, you could take it to ignite those around you. Don't lose out on the message. One of the messages that I feel from Hanukkah about the lights and the persistence and the stubbornness and the wonderful aspect how Hanukkah has been with us all these years, under appreciated in my opinion, undervalued in my opinion, but nevertheless present. Even in the shadows, even in the homes, we look for those lights, we look for those ways to bring out those around us. And I just want to review the points to carry over in these last minutes. Thank you for staying with us. Understand that stubbornness is a trait that can be used for good or for bad. Make sure to use it for good. Quiet, dignified perseverance without fanfare acquires real success and real influence. Persistence with the use of Torah and mitzvahs is the best way to accomplish great things in this world. Perseverance is a noble trait that accomplishes great things when used in the right ways and for the right reasons. Use diligence in intellectual manners. Don't use it or waste it on trivialities or materialism, i.e. not to be an obsessed persistent vase or vase hoarder. Diligence is one of the founding and one of the foundation stepping stones to lead to holiness when used in the correct way. If you push yourself on the path of Torah and mitzvahs to do more persistently each day, Hashem will lead you and help you along the way. Learn from all people and creatures that diligence is good in all areas when used in upright manners, and this trait can help to fight off laziness and procrastination. Persistence can help even in done, if done in small ways daily, like setting aside 15 minutes a day to listen to a quick Torah tidbit, but every day. Or setting 10 minutes to read daily Torah emails, like Halacha Yomi. Transform stubbornness into his friendly brother diligence and his brother persistence to accomplish great things consistently and continually through Torah mitzvahs. The best way to use stubbornness is in the learning of Torah and the doing of mitzvahs persistently every single day, even with challenges or others fighting against you, trying to dissuade you. This Hanukkah, take your light, take your flames and ignite those around you. Be persistent, be stubborn. Be diligent and be perseverant to light the flame of everyone around us. To ignite the spark of everyone around us. You can do it. All you have to do is look for those lights that have been with us all these years. Take the beautiful holiday of Hanukkah within yourself. The flame of Torah and Mitzvah within yourself. And ignite the flame of everyone around us every single day in a stubborn and upright way. Thank you for joining us. Join us next time, God willing, as we talk the lecture series with Reb T. And I'm your host, Reb T.